Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I've tried to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, a podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This week, it's Animorphs. My name is Jeff, and I learned how to ride a bike using my neighbor's My Little Pony bicycle. My name is Dan, and a surprising amount of movies make me physically cry. My name is Jimmy, and the three of us all saw all the Star Trek captains in one room, and William Shatner couldn't stop talking about horses. Oh, that is such a good fact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was such a good moment, because like I wasn't super into Star Trek at that point, yeah. but we were at Wizard World Philly in like 2006, and they had no, the five captains. No, it was captains. later than that. It was around then. It was 2012. I was close. <laughs> so I thought about this random fact after I rewatched A Star is Born and remembered crying <laughs> in the theater with Jeff and his wife. Yeah, she was bawling. I don't know who was crying yeah. more. I don't know which one of us was a bigger lady. But it got me thinking, have there been any other times that you guys remember me crying in movies with you present? Uh, Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we saw Forrest Gump when they re-released it in theaters. In IMAX. Yep. I know I've seen you choked up. I can't think of a, an example, but it does happen. It happened, it happened to me with Queer Eye. I was blubbering when we watched that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big crier. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think we have any iTunes reviews or tweets, but if you feel so inclined, you can send us a review. Uh, five star review would be nice get more people listening to the show um, and you can send us an email at talkmeinto at gmail.com we'll read it right now answer your questions maybe you can talk us into things yeah yeah welcome back to talk me into uh, this is a segment where we're talking about what we're talking ourselves into it could just be any little funny thing that we're doing, or maybe just we're trying to improve our life. Self-help. <laughs> what are you doing? I had an itch, and then Jeff was looking at me. <laughs> All right. So this is a segment where it's a little bit of a, it could be something funny. It could be self-care. But this week, I'm talking myself into re-watching the Harry Potter movies. Ooh. Wow. This is ironic that you bring this up. Wow. Oh, Continue. Interesting. Um, so I'm going to Universal Studios next week. Um, so I'm going to be exploring the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Oh, so I'm I just, so jelly. I just want to re reinforce my love with the wizarding world of Harry Plopper. And, uh, <laughs> nice. Lightning round. You ready? Yep. Favorite house? Gryffindor. Favorite spell? Spariamus. Favorite character? Hermione. That's all I have. Wow. Okay. Lightning strikes quick. <laughs> Jimmy was quicker than I thought. Um, oh, favorite teacher? Stape. Stape? Stape. Snape. Michael Stape? <laughs> Michael Statham? Jason Statham? <laughs> Your uh, favorite teacher is Snape? He, yeah, was, he was a meanie. Yeah, he's cool. Uh-huh. I don't know. You said first instinct. He was okay. the first one that came up. I'm I didn't sorry. say first teacher you he thought He said of. favorite. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, I like it, Jim. That's a good one. Yeah, thank you. Dan. How far did you get? 
And I haven't started it yet. Oh, I'm talking Jimmy. myself into doing it. Going to oh. do it this week. It's my, my mission. Well, I've been talking myself and succeeding in rewatching Game of Thrones. Oh. If you're listening to this now, the new se- the final season has already come and gone. <laughs> Probably, yes, yeah. It has. But for us recording it, it is about to begin imminently. And I decided way too late in the game to rewatch all of Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's it's dense. That's a lot. So what I did was for the earlier seasons, which I've watched a few times, I skipped around. I found a really helpful article on Thrillist called the 25 greatest Game of Thrones episodes. Mm-hmm. And I'm also listening to an excellent podcast, which is actually ongoing. They rotate their subjects. Right now they're on Game of Thrones. But I encourage you to check it out for future topics. They've also done True Detective. They've done Westworld, I believe. Um, they I need to up. get back into Westworld. Yeah. So the podcast is called Still Watching. It's released by Vanity Fair. And it's hosted by Richard Law- Lawson, I believe his name is. But I got into it because of my favorite, one of my favorites, Joanna Robinson, who writes for Vanity Fair. She's on Storm of Spoilers. She's on Cast of Kings. She's wonderful you've dropped that name on this podcast yeah, before. why don't you marry so i know her. you're truthful i would love to she's my <laughs> she, i i am standing hard for joanna robinson but anyways so i skipped skimmed through the first few seasons mm-hmm. and now i just started season six and i'm going to be watching every episode of season six and season seven and i've got seven days to do it oh, seven boy. days for 17 episodes you can Ooh, do it. You can do it. If anybody can, you can. You'll fall asleep during a good portion of it, <laughs> but it will be playing in your presence. I mean, that's true. When I want to commit to a rewatch like this, I commit really hard. Well, when when Game of Thrones was coming out, like when season two came out, you would famously to me, uh, "Oh, season two is coming out. I want to rewatch season one." And season three would start, and like I forgot everything. I want to watch the first two seasons. Season yeah, four, yeah. I'm memory. Watch, like you would rewatch the series before every season. You've probably seen season one nine times already probably because i've also introduced other people to it and watched it with them wow <laughs> i've watched every episode once Same. and that's enough for me but like right now i am re-watching so hard that i'm currently watching while i get ready for work in the morning i'm watching on my phone on my lunch break as soon as i get home while i'm making dinner i'm watching and then i'm watching at after dinner while i relax at night it's a I, lot of Game of Thrones. I attempted a rewatch not too long ago, and I was like, oh, I don't even remember these people. They've been dead and gone for so long. Yeah. I'm excited for the new final season, though. I hope so. Last season was a little disappointing, in my opinion. What? I liked it. You're bonkers. I mean, I wish there was more character stuff, but the action is cool. I don't know. I just hope it gets resolved well. I just felt it was a little... Uh, uh, I don't know where it's going. It's not a Game of Thrones episode, Jim. Jeff, what are you talking yourself into? <laughs> I'm talking myself into hedgehogs. Uh-oh. I love those. Yeah. I saw a picture there and was I was some afraid snaps. to ask. So my Uh-oh. my wife uh, has always liked hedgehogs. In our home, we have uh, a hedgehog like tchotchkes, like little yeah. figurines and like little towels with hedgehogs on them. Like just cute little hedgehogs. She's always liked hedgehogs, but she's never interacted with a real life hedgehog. So uh, she wanted to hold a hedgehog. 
So she just got in her head. She's like, I want to hold a hedgehog. I have to find a pet store that has a hedgehog. Bucket list. Yeah. So uh, we found a pet store and she's like, I'm just going to go in and say I'm interested in buying a hedgehog and I'm going to hold it and then I'm not going to buy it. And I yeah, was like, right. okay. So she finds <laughs> this one pet store near us and the hedgehog, they won't let us hold because it has wobbly hedgehog syndrome. Which is pretty much like even their sicknesses are adorable. Yeah, it's like the cutest sickness ever. They're just like it's kind of like a, a little hedgehog Parkinson's, which fifty percent of the time leads to their inevitable death. They Aww. deteriorate. Way so, to bring it down, Jeff. No, but it turns out that this the store's like, we won't sell it, but we might home it to you, but it needs a lot of help. And like the people working there were like, all it needs is a wheel to exercise, and that's not true. It needs like a special exotic vet mm. because they are a nocturnal species from Africa. And uh, I learned a lot about hedgehogs. So then she found out that there was a hedgehog breeder a little bit further away from us. But for $25, you could have a half hour session holding the hedgehogs. Oh, God. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, you could have up to four or five people. So we were like, $25 to cross something off your bucket list yeah. isn't bad. So we paid and we just went to this lady's house and in her lev- living room. She had uh, a mama hedgehog who was albino. Uh Two hedgehogs who were about seven weeks old and then two who were about two weeks old. Oh, small. And, yeah, very small. And so I went, I don't like pets. You guys know this. Uh, yes. She has a dog. Uh, the dog is probably like the best dog I've ever met, but I still hate it. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I don't like homes with animals. I think that they're disgusting. Cats are even worse. That's oh. a whole other episode. Maybe talk <laughs> me into pets. Who knows? That could be an episode in the future. But I was like, I'll go for you. And I wasn't planning on holding them. But then I was like, all right. I thought they were going to be like mice and rodents and gerbils. Because like gerbils stink. Mm-hmm. They're noisy. They're smelly. That's they're true. gross. These aren't rodents. So they don't have like this acrid sweat to them. Mm-hmm. There's something in their physiology. And like they're not like all over the place. They just kind of chill. Because like they want to sleep and they want to be warm. They're a lot like me and my wife. Yeah, We just always want to sleep and be warm. <laughs> and uh, so I was holding them and like. They were surprising. I thought that like the the quills were more like soft, but they're not. They're like little toothpicks. Uh, it's not like a cactus or a porcupine, but they were just like chilling in my hand. I was like, this is the first time I'm holding an animal and I don't hate it. <laughs> so how long until you and your wife own a hedgehog? Uh, May. We are bringing one. I home. knew likely. this was coming. We are likely <laughs> buying one hedgehog. They're relatively affordable. I was going to say, should I ask how much they cost? About two hundred and fifty. Oh, that's not terrible. That's not no, and they have like a they have a four to seven year lifespan. This one lady said she had one oh, for wow. nine years. Jeez. Uh, so, I thought know. it was going to be much longer than that. I guess no, it shouldn't. I, have I thought it would be shorter. The only, thing is, small. the only thing is that they're nocturnal. Yeah. So it like the only care they really need, other than just like keeping up with them and like feeding them, is they need to be held for a half hour a day just to have like some interaction. Yeah. But like if you have two boys, they'll just fight each other till one of them dies. And also the males perform oral on themselves. So you nice. have to like clean that mess up. So we're probably getting a female. Uh, so let me tell you my experience with hedgehogs. Ironically, because we were just speaking about Joanna Robinson, one of her podcast brethren is a film reviewer named David Ehrlich, who I follow on all social media. He's a delight. And he was hedgehog sitting for a friend of his for a while. The hedgehog's name was Draco Malfoy. Nice. And uh, he loved the hedgehog, but the hedgehog did not love him back. 
He said he was a, a mean, mean cuss. Some of them can be. But basically, no, I don't think he was actually like outwardly mean. I think he is a nocturnal animal who had no interest in humanity. Okay. So <laughs> same. <laughs> he basically lived inside a toilet paper roll and refused to come out. <laughs> and he just yeah, so, slept all day. So they also climb. So you have to make sure you have the, the right cage so they mm-hmm. won't climb and get out. Um, but they can't climb up like a plastic side. A lot of them sleep in like fleece rather than like shredded or like shredded pieces of paper Aww, rather than like some kind adorable. of bedding. Yeah, it's adorable. But then you have to like clean poop out. Like oh, yeah. my wife and the lady got <laughs> pooped on quite a bit. So I got you, pooped on you only once. You go to Goodwill and you buy a fleece blanket or a big fleece jacket and you just cut it into little squares and then you just toss them. Yeah, like that's an awesome idea. Yeah. So we're we then we went to a pet store to look at like ceramic heat lamps for it. So it's probably going to happen. In I'm sure. By the way, not to bring the whole thing down, but a sad, sad note. Draco Malfoy has passed on oh. to the great hedgehog graveyard. In the I think the hardest part is naming it because we have great ideas like Peter Quill. Uh, if we were going to get two, we were going to do Nye and Day. Uh, just things like that. Sonic? That's that's easy. It's a little yeah. too easy. Yeah. R.I.P. Jacob Draco Malfoy. This is the Talk Me Into episode. One of them that I've been waiting to record for a very long time. This is episode 16, and it has been on my my list since day one that we've even that we even talked about making this podcast you see jim he made a list he checked it twice and we must have turned out naughty because we are being subjected to anamorphs the <laughs> late 90s young adults novel series young adults yeah it gets pretty preteen pretty. maybe it's just, young adult and preteen isn't it the same thing it's just called young adult no Preteens, Pre-teens like before 11 teenagers, or 12. 11 and 12. This is for uh, adults like me, 33 years old. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. Let, let's let's get into a little bit of the history of Animorphs. It was a series uh, released from June 1996 to May 2001. So in that time, I was 10 to 15 years old. So Pre-teen. it was 15 is teen, 14 yeah. is teen, 13 is teen. So 10, 11, and 12 is preteen. All right, so let's get both. off of this. Uh, this is just semantics, <laughs> so Dan. Who You're trying to derail. Series? For this some was... reason, I thought it had something to do with Bondi, the company that made Power Rangers. No, this is Scholastic. This is pre-Harry oh, yeah. Potter. This is superior to Harry Potter. There was an overlap, <laughs> I, I suppose. Um, <laughs> there was a uh, a two-season uh, Nickelodeon show that was- Yeah, that's what I knew it. Oh, I didn't of. know that. It was. Uh, I knew of it, but I've never seen it. It was doo doo. It was Sean Astin was one of the main characters. The first time I saw him, there was <laughs> cool. uh, yeah, there was another actor. I can't actress. carry the ring, Mister Frodo, but I can turn into one. <laughs> oh, not him. That's the Ashmore, Sean Ashmore, not Sean oh, Astin. Good job. Uh, <laughs> that would have been a wild series. I would have definitely watched that. Yeah. Uh, Rudy turning into lizards, and I stuff. remember him from Encino Man. Oh, yeah, Brendan that- Fraser deep cut. That's a great movie. We should talk about that one. So what is Animorphs about, Jeff? Animorphs is a young adult series that follows five teenagers who happen upon a befallen alien and just on their on their walk home. And this alien, much like uh, Green Lantern, uh, how how uh, how Jordan finds an alien that bestows upon him a power. Abin Sor. Put some respect on his name, Yes, please. I forgot his name, so I just said an alien. But uh, they, they they 
find this Andalite who has the, uh, his people have the ability to morph. And that ability is given through this blue glowing cube that looks a lot like the Tesseract in the Marvel series. And they are able from this point forward to morph into uh, living creatures, uh, not plants or anything, but any animals that they acquire the DNA of. So from this point forward, they have to, if they touch a dog, they will acquire its DNA, and then they're then they can morph into this dog for up to two hours. Mm-hmm. And while they're in morph, that's arbitrary. <laughs> oh, it, it becomes very important to the plot because you can't just turn into an ant and be an ant for a few days because you want to escape the world. Uh, it, it gets problematic later on. And while they are in morph form, they can communicate with each other telepathically, much like the Andalite lights communicate with them and they don't know what it is at first. And um, it's kind of like our conspiracy theory episode. They don't have mouths. They have little slits. So they communicate telepathically. Uh They look like uh, blue centaurs with stalk eyes and they're really neat. Um, So, so I have a question for you. If I'm understanding you, then everything I thought I knew about animorphs is wrong. I thought they were given this power to turn into one animal. No, you're wrong. I, that's why I always thought, like I've said to you, what would your animorph be? But apparently that's the wrong way to yeah, think it's about a, this. it's the wrong question. I thought that each of them was like, hey, Bob, you can turn into a hawk whenever you feel like it. <laughs> Tina, you could be a dog whenever you feel like it. No, it's not. Oh, okay. So the overarching story of the whole series is that there are two uh, races of aliens that are at war with each other, the Andalites, who they just encountered, and a uh, nefarious alien creature called a yerk which is like a slug that crawls into the ear of a species and takes over its brain and they use that as a host so it's it falls in line with a lot of old sci-fi tropes like invasion of the body snatchers Mm -hmm. or if you're into marvel with scrolls which are a big thing now that captain marvel came out the world is introduced to scrolls um so you don't know who the true enemy is so immediately in book one you're thrown into this world where five teenagers uh now know the secret and have the ability to morph into animals to try to find out more about these yerks. Um, and they work for Zordon. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, they don't work or report it to anybody. Um, but they, they know that they have to find the, uh, the yerks since they're just slugs when they're not in the host body, they have to leave the host body every now and then they go into this refreshing pool where they get all of their like uh, they get revitalized. It's called a yerk pool. So they have to find out where the yerk pool is. And they're trying to because you don't anybody your your family could be a yerk. Your teacher could be a yerk. Mm-hmm. Anybody could, one of them could be a yerk. They don't know. Mm-hmm. And um it gets interesting because one of the the lead yerk, his host, he's the only yerk to have made an Andalite the host. So that's that's the big bad visor three and they have and then because this is an alien he's been on different planets he could acquire other aliens dna so they're like fighting monsters at some points and they're like what is this but like it's just an alien monster that they're fighting so um we'll get more into how they get these acquisitions of dna i bet Um, we will we'll break down the characters jake and rachel who are cousins jake is the de facto leader he's not officially the leader um Mm -hmm. but he's the the guy that they go to for leadership and Rachel is this preppy popular girl. And then you have Marco who's like the class clown. And then you have Cassie who's just like a homebody kind of like 
you know, nerdy type girl. And then you have Tobias, who's the the grunge. I don't want to say emo because this is pre-emo. Uh, the grunge dude who wears mm. like flannel and has a bad mushroom cut uh, like me. And nobody liked him like me. So you can relate to these when uh, I was reading these at 10 to 15 years old. <laughs> so I have a question. Okay. So um, things like this typically kind of stay in um uh, uh, an age group you're still <laughs> into this so what is it about animorphs that transcends the preteen to teen age range very good question i believe a lot of it is nostalgia um because okay. there there then are why are you talking us into it even though we have no nostalgia i will for also it? get to that too um this was my most favorite book series maybe franchise of my early teens mm-hmm. um you know coming off of goosebumps which was for a younger goosebumps audience was fun yes. yeah it came uh, a book came out monthly it was an anthology mm-hmm. it was like twilight zone junior for little kids mm-hmm. and i loved it and then animorphs came out and every month i would pick up the books i started with like the first book maybe first or second book when it was out so i didn't know anything about it. i was picking up every month as it came out there were 54 books total there were 10 like ancillary books that dealt with other side stories um wow dan <laughs> I, 54 plus 10 yeah it's a lot many right They're short so, books so several years ago uh me and my friend dante were talking about animals because he loved it too we were at the same time and a new book would come out and we'd read it and we'd talk about it and this was the late 90s so we didn't record it we just had conversations <laughs> like people did and uh, several years ago we were like hey what if we bought all the like i i still have some of my animorphs books lost a lot of them mm-hmm. but i bought uh i filled in a lot of the holes on your eBay. mom didn't give them away because the god told her to or anything? no that was my magic <laughs> i did lose a lot of them in moving but we were talking about hey maybe we'll make a podcast where we talk about like uh a book a week mm-hmm. for a year and call it like year animorphs or some, something stupid like that but we didn't do it and then other people have come out with animorphs podcast since then who probably do it better than we would have done it but at that time i bought a bunch of Animorphs books online and at the time my job was closing so i didn't do anything except for watch like 30 rock on netflix and then when i finished that series i was like let me read these books and i read about the first three and i was like okay these actually hold up because a lot of things that i've uh consumed from my childhood like Mm -hmm. power rangers um when that was on netflix i started watching i was like i can't do this my memories are like this is the dopest thing ever and the show is poopy yeah. Um, and I don't want to ruin my memory. So I stopped watching it, but this was, they were dealing with, uh, and especially as the series went on, like it kind of grew with the audience. They were dealing with some dark shit. There mm. was, I mean, even early on, they were dealing with like depression and suicide. And at the time you don't really realize that you're just like, Oh wow, this is, this is a bad thing that's happening to these people. Mm. But they did deal with stuff that like a lot of kids, especially at the time, weren't they weren't told like, Hey, these are normal things to think about. These are things that happen. If you're feeling this way, maybe you shouldn't feel this way. Um, and then you throw in that they could turn into animals and fight aliens. And you're like, hell yeah, dude. And like, so in the words of Gary Delabate, they hold up, they hold up. Yeah. I was just talking to the guys in the back and they <laughs> said that, but, but as the series goes on, so it's, it's grounded on earth. Um, it's written by K.A. Applegate. But, and, sorry to interrupt, yes. but we're supposed to believe that they basically get drawn into this intergalactic war. Is that the idea? Correct. Okay. You have to sus- suspend some disbelief. No, in no, order that's for fine. I wasn't sure if they were more of like a superhero, like vigilante type story, or if there's more getting brought into this larger world. They do get brought into it. Um, 
the first 25 or so issues were written by K.A. Applegate. As the series went on, because it came out monthly, a lot of the books were ghostwritten, so it gets kind of diluted. Mm. There was a point when I did stop reading it around the late 30s, so I never actually finished the series. 1930s? Myself. Yeah, yes. I thought the same thing. Uh, around like, Back in not five. Yeah, um, you know, my parents would buy me the books, and then like as I got a little older, I had to save money to buy the books, and then I was just like, oh, I'm a teenager now. I don't have time for this anymore. So I never actually finished the series. Mm -hmm. And then um, when I got pulled back into it, I I found out kind of how the series ends. But it's always something I wanted to revisit because it is so full. So that's why I want to talk you into it because I want an excuse for me to read, (laughs) to start reading it and dive into it. And um, Dan, to answer your question, it does like they do eventually it gets more sci-fi. Like there are space stories. The Some of the side stories go into like, they have two books called the Andalite Chronicles. So they're talking about these that dying alien, Elfangor, that they find. He has his own uh, his names, own saga. The names are fantastic. Yeah, and then they have a book <laughs> called Vizzer, which talks about the Andalite that got trapped by uh, his host. I forgot uh, that Andalite's name. But there's other side characters that they have. They have some books called the Megamorphs, which were like these huge adventures that involve time travel. And like you could put those aside, but they still tie in. Mm. They have Alternamorphs, which are like choose your own adventures. They were doo-doo. Nobody liked them <laughs> even when they came out, but I still read them. Uh, Nobody. Was... Jeff speaks for the Animorph community at large. <laughs> I do. I really do. There was a book called the Hork-Bajir Chronicles, which talked about one of these uh alien races which you'll encounter they're actually this peace love this like peaceful race and a loving race but they look monstrous so a lot of people that and their entire race was uh consumed by the year so they're all hosts so they talk about that a little bit um it's just a a a really crazy sci-fi epic that just happens to deal with some teenagers and like they do a lot of questionable morally questionable things mm. in the series it's just a fun romp <laughs> you know i'm gonna say i'm interested to say the least animorphs have always yes. been on my uh been on the side um i've i think i've owned a couple books just because they were given to me but i was way too young uh so i didn't understand anything that was going on um, but I always like the covers, and the covers make memes now, which make me laugh. So yeah, that's very that's all we really need, right? Um, so I'm interested. I have an open mind, and it's just <laughs> it's a franchise that's so ripe for a good revival, and it just, I wouldn't be surprised. It's just sitting there. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe we'll get lucky, and we'll have a revival as powerful and moving as the Power Rangers film. Uh, I hope so. So. I'm keeping an open mind, too. I mean, I'm a little bit pessimistic because it's a child book series, but I do like sci-fi adventure. And um, we should try to reach out to Dave Gonzalez, who we're all a big fan of. Uh, He hosts a bunch of podcasts that we like, and he helped us get this podcast off the ground. He's the only other living adult that I've heard of (laughs) that likes Animorphs. He has come to Jeff's defense on Twitter on numerous occasions. Yes, that was my first interaction with him. Yeah. Jeff was like, I've been telling... I had told Jeff to check out Dave's podcast and to follow him on Twitter. I said he's a great follow. And Jeff was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then all of a sudden they start talking Animorphs, and now Jeff follows <laughs> Dave Gonzalez on Twitter. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, so I'm going to have you guys read the first four books. Are you serious? So <laughs> <laughs> We had a debate about this, and you were throwing around ideas of how much to read. And I was not optimistic about getting through four books. Okay, so the thing is, every book 
is narrated from the point of view of one of the Animorphs. So from one through five. So first I was like, I'm going to have you read five. I want you to, to read about Jake, to read from Rachel's point of view, from Cassie's point of view, from Tobias's point of view, from Marco's point of view. But then I was like, that's kind of a lot. Maybe do the first three. Cause in the first three encompass three of the Animorphs, you're getting an idea of the series but there's something in book four and you might be introduced to somebody in book four that is very important moving forward. And you can't skip out on one of the other ones. No, they you need, fro- follow a chronological. They do story. follow chronological. So you have, oh boy. they're not, it's not an anthology. You have to read the story. Um, so in order to do this, I can let you guys borrow my books. It will take a long time. Or I have found there are fans that have made audio versions of the first several books um, we can put links to that. Mm. And there are digital copies, I believe fan made as well, that are online that you can read on like a Kindle. Um, I'm sure you could check your local library too. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if they're there. It's a 20-year-old series. I don't know if they'll have all of them. Yeah, but um, if you have a children's section. If you feel so inclined, you can easily get them on eBay for pretty cheap. Yeah. Uh, probably 12 bucks will get you the first four with shipping included. Um. And also there is a podcast I recently started listening to before we were doing this called Phanomorphs, which they cover. <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> they cover each of the books individually. And the first episode is a little longer because they're getting into everything. And I listened to the first four. Um, and that's why I think that it, each episode is about a half hour. So maybe if you just want to like skim through a book real quick, if you could speed read it, listen to an episode, there's a bunch of ways to consume it where you can get all of the information. But I do want you to listen to the first four or read, consume the first four stories. And then um, we'll see if I talk to you guys into this science fiction epic of yesteryear. So I guess it's morphin time. It has been quite a while since we have been together in this room. I know, it's been a long time. Recording the first half of this episode. So we've had you know several weeks plenty of time to read four silly chapter books i hope it depends on how good of a reader you are oh or listener of which i've learned that i am not a very good one. Oh, yeah you were uh struggling to get through this you're having some problems they're pretty quick reads like if you dedicate just like an hour or two you can fly through a book i did not find that I don't know, man. Like the last time I read these was maybe like five years yeah, ago. Yeah, I'm not criticizing you. I'm criticizing me. I'm a slow reader. No, as I far mean, as actually, so am I. Because yeah. like I, I like to actually take in. What I I'm read each book. book in about two hours. Yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah. Um, I actually happened to before we get into it, listen to the first three audiobooks. A fan made the first three audiobooks yeah. on YouTube. R three something. You can look it up, and it's actually funny because during these last few weeks. He put an update for book four. Apparently, like Scholastic Legal got involved and they're trying to work out a deal to where like you can get paid for it, but still oh. make them as a fan. Yeah. So like the first three are up. Unfortunately, the fourth one isn't. Mm. But actually, that's how I got through these because I, uh, I was pretty busy myself, too. Yeah. So right away, let's say off the bat that we are going to be spoiling all of the invasion, the visitor, the encounter and the message in their entirety. Yes, we are. The first yeah. four books. So should we get into it? Yeah, I think uh, my my review was pretty thorough, but what are your guys' thoughts reading uh, 
reading the invasion so the invasion was uh narrated by jake who is one of the animorphs yeah the de facto leader yes the de facto leader so says jeff um so well so says the book well yeah so says the book as well but you said that in the first in the first part um so uh they're there's these five friends that are walking home from school, going through a construction home from site. from the mall, but good try. Oh, through the mall? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, they cut through an abandoned construction site, as all major cities have. Yeah, and then- You don't know if they're in a major city. Oh, that's right. They don't say where they are, because the years will find them. Every single book opens up with, <laughs> I won't tell you my last name or where I'm from. We get it. We've read three of these already. Yeah, but every book is a kid's first, Dan. Yeah. So- um, I don't remember. Does the spaceship crash or something? But they, the they... Andalite spaceship crashes. Yes. Yes. So then they find the lone Andalite. Elfangor. Elfangor. Yeah. And... Who also happens to be a prince. Yeah. He is. Yeah. And um, uh, his last dying wish is to make the five of them into anamorphs. Well, I mean, that's well, you're skipping quite a lot. Am but... I? No, oh, the yeah. gist of it is he tells them that. There's a species of alien slugs that crawl into people's brains and control them, and they want to take over Earth. They're yeah. called the Yerks. Yeah. And the Andalites are in an intergalactic war to stand against them, but they are not nearby, and for some reason it's going to take a long time for them to get to Earth. Yeah. And since the prince is dying, he tries to level the playing field a little bit by granting the power of morphing to these five humans. Yes. And basically asking them to try to stand against the Yerks until the Andalites can arrive. Yeah. Otherwise, Earth will fall to the Yerks. Yes. yes. And he does so with a Tesseract, pretty much. It's just like a blue cube yeah. that they all have to touch. And uh, he, he gives a warning that they can only stay in Morph for two hours or they will be trapped forever. Yes, it is very is... convenient that it is exactly two hours in Earth time, even <laughs> though he is an alien. Yeah, I literally wrote that down saying it, it's very convenient that the an animal andalite knows exactly what two hours is yeah well he would probably know but i would just imagine if it's alien technology when he converted it to earth time it would be like one hour 36 minutes and 22 seconds yeah um i the first thing that i wrote down was that it definitely feels like green lantern uh yeah how, how you said it where they find this alien they grant this power to him and then um but just the there's constant like reaffirmation in in there because it is a kid's book Mm-hmm. Um, but like, uh, what did I write down? Um, oh, Jake said, um, he said in that silent way that you only heard in your head that was literally explained like a paragraph ago. So I don't know. I just thought that was a little like eh. thought speak. Yeah. Um, so they were just like constant reaffirmation cause it is written for kids, but I don't know if that's something right. fun to I read mean, as just, an adult. Just like you said, it's like Green Lantern. It's not supposed to be revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, K.A. Applegate even took the word yerk from like an elvish word for orc or something. From oh, Lord okay. So like everything is derivative. That's fine. It's just a standard science fiction. Yeah. It's um. It's a way to get kids into the genre. It's not only uh, very heavily laden with science fiction tropes, but it's also a super classic hero's journey. I think it's sort of interesting that each book is told from a different perspective, so we kind of see each of their heroic journeys. Right. Yeah. Um, Every five books is a different. But just to get a little bit further into the plot, um, they basically find out that uh, the Yerks are sort of uh, 
incur not encouraging, but they're like they're gathering people to become controllers, which is what they call it when they inhabit the human body and control them. Yeah, they make the sharing. Yeah, so the group is called the sharing, and that's how they like capture new people. And they found out that Jake's brother Tom appears to be a human controller for the Yerks. And then that yeah. kind of gives them a purpose. Like, right. Yeah. Oh, now it's personal. Oh, exactly. there, there's aliens yeah. coming. Well, who cares? What are we going to do? But now his brother. And it also gives an them alien. a starting off point. Like, right. how do you deal with an alien invasion if you, you have no small. connection mm-hmm. to it? But now they do have a connection. So they try to influence, infiltrate the sharing. Um, they find out that. Because this is a young adult book, one of the top baddies is their assistant principal. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Not even they couldn't even get the the actual principal. Yeah. They had to get the assistant. Um, yeah, and basically, uh, also conveniently, one of the members of the group, uh, I believe her name is Cassie. Her parents super conveniently <laughs> run a wildlife rescue. Yeah, one of them does. Her father and the mother is a vet for a local zoo. And uh, so just, that gives the them D- a, a lot of access to DNA for it's a lot DNA of different kinds of animals. Yeah. I actually kind of like that because it, it well, would I like it be, too. Otherwise, yeah. they'd just be turning into yeah. dogs and cats, yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. Or ants. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, I think my favorite part of the book was when uh, Jake morphed into a lizard to spy on the aforementioned assistant principal named Chapman. And it was like really like weird. Yeah, it was jarring. It's for weird him. and graphic. Yeah, yeah. And I was mentally like, and physically, it's cool that it's not just a fun, easy thing. Like not all morphs go well, and it's hard to predict which ones are going to be harder. And than at others. first, they can't wear clothes. Yeah, yeah. That that's my favorite part of the of this entire thing is that it could easily just be like a fun romp. I'm just going to be I'm going to be a lizard, and I'm going to spy on my teacher. But no, yeah, look, he's I having can walk on walls. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, he is discovering what it's like to be in these animals, and that's the through line story throughout all of these books. I can definitely see. And that. like, he ate a spider, and they're still talking about it books later because yeah. he can't get over. He's like, I ate a spider. Yeah, gross. exactly. And we yeah. definitely. I don't think that's as big of a deal. Like, so what? I've eaten spiders. <laughs> that's true, actually. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> um, but I guess just the act of like killing yeah. and uh, I don't know what, whatever. But yeah. uh, so then for the big finale, um. You know, and I'll get to this later on. Like, one of the issues I have with the series is that it's incredibly formulaic. But Mm -hmm. uh, as they get to the big finale, they are sort of investigating a yerk pool, which is like a big underground lake sort of thing or pond that is flooded with these chemicals that the yerks need to survive. So every so often they have to return to this pool and uh, leave their host bodies. So... The team follow, I forget, I think they follow Chapman, right? Yes. To discover the Yerk Pool. And when they're down there, they see Jake's brother, Tom, and he's like locked in a cage with the other human hosts while the Yerks are in the Yerk Pool. Yep. And they decide to try to stage a rescue mission, which does not go well. Nope. They morph into big, scary animals, like uh, Jake turns into a tiger, Marco is a gorilla, Uh, Rachel is an elephant. I don't remember what Cassie was. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Huh. Feel like that was Was she a horse? Yes. Cassie was a horse. Thank you. And Tobias was a hawk. Yeah, Tobias was a hawk. Mm. Which is important. Yes. Mm, Very important. Because it starts off well, and then they are basically counterattacked by the guards, which are this other alien race that the Yerks control called the Hork-Bajir. Yep. 
which are like they scary are. monster Yeah, they're, they're like these big lizard type of creatures. Uh, yeah. Naturally, they're a very peaceful race, but they are entirely enslaved by Yerks now. So the Yerks take advantage of their monstrous sharp bodies. Yeah. And they're soldiers. And uh, the other aliens are taxons, which are like giant killer centipedes who, even without the Yerks, are evil. So yeah, yeah. they volunteer to become controllers. <laughs> right. And both of those aspects take yeah take uh play later on in the series i like those ideas it could easily just be like mm-hmm. oh the hork bajur are just like evil monsters that just happen to be taken over by the yurks but the <laughs> added dimension of they're a peaceful race but they're completely taken over and then they're also like scary looking so it's like perfect for them yeah no like later on you'll find you'll meet some hork bajur if i talk you into it that are like scientists and peaceful and then so the very end uh they're having this sort of little skirmish and then Visser 3 shows up, and he is the big bad. He's the leader who is the first and only Yerk to control an Andalite. So he has the power to morph too, and because he's an alien, he can morph into all these big, crazy alien creatures. And he's also the one that killed the original Andalite that gave them their morphing powers. And basically, they lose the battle and end up escaping with their lives, but... I think there's only one person that they rescued, if I'm correct, and it's not Jake's brother Tom. He is recaptured by the yeah. control by the Yerks, and as they scatter to escape from the Yerk pool, they reconvene to find out that Tobias took longer to get out than the rest of them, and sadly, his he has exceeded his extremely convenient two-hour morph window. <laughs> And is now forever trapped as a red-tailed hawk. In book one. Yeah. Tobias is a hawk. Which is kind of interesting. It gave it some real stakes. Yep. I figured that when I heard this time issue, you can only stay for less than two hours. Oh, yeah. I knew that eventually this was coming, but I didn't think it would be in book one. Yeah, I didn't think it would be in book one either. I thought this was... I think I've heard this happening before, but I didn't know it was so early on. Yeah. That uh, it's like, oh, I'm just a hawk now. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Do you have any overall thoughts on the book, Jim? Overall, um, I like the character Jake, but I don't think he's a very good narrator. I don't know if it was just a first book. Like, it's a pilot, basically, and right. it just wasn't written well, but I don't think it was written that well. Um, it was really. Do you think that it wasn't written well, or do you think that you're just above the reading level that it was <clears throat> intended for? Um. I don't know because like, I like Harry Potter and I can still enjoy Harry Potter now. I, I think primarily it was written simplistically. Yeah. Uh, but what I will agree with Jimmy, the one thing that I had an issue with was I felt like uh, we did not get any depth to the characters. Right. They're incredibly one-sided and each of them sort of represents one personality trait. So Jake is the fearless leader. Marco is the insipid, like sort of sarcastic one. Uh, Tobias is the empath. Cassie is the animal expert. And, you know, Rachel is the thrill seeker. That that could pretty much sum up what yeah. we know about these characters. Yeah. Not only through this book, but I'm not really seeing much growth. Well, right now, at the end of book one, I agree with you. Okay. But they each have, you know, uh, eight to ten books that they mm-hmm. narrate themselves. Yeah. There is a lot of growth towards okay. the series. It, it, it does it, seem it, like K.A. Applegate also grows as a writer as she's writing these as well. well just, not don't, don't forget her. that like she wrote like the first 20-something and yeah, it was yeah. 50, and then there were yeah. a lot of ghost writers. And yeah, it gets I, really I just saw diluted, that list. But, um, but the characters do grow, whether for 
for yeah. good or bad, their characters do develop yeah. and become more. I can even see in these first four books that she's kind of like honing in on who the characters are and stuff. Um, so what were your overall thoughts about the first book, Dan? Yeah, there's things I like and things I didn't like. Uh, I was attracted to the overall central plot of nice. the Yurk invasion. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's incredibly, you know, formulaic and it's a trope but it's also something that i like so yeah it's not groundbreaking I it's an alien invasion that. it's cool yeah uh i like i said my biggest problem was i didn't really care about the characters that much um i also thought there was a lot of stuff that was convenient i mean these are things that are common just because of the audience that it was written to but you know one thing i will say like 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 jimmy said there are young adult and even like you know child not books that aren't as convenient like you know, things don't always go perfectly for Harry Potter, whereas here it seemed like things kind of fell into place. I did like the twist ending where Tobias was trapped. That adds a new dimension that uh, uh, yeah. ends up becoming something sort of my favorite thing about the books that we read. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I'm, I was intrigued going forward, but I wasn't blown away. I would agree with this first book. All right. What about The Visitor? It's uh, the second book. The first one narrated by Rachel. Yes. And on the cover, it is the second and last matte painting more. If everything else is done a uh, full body. Yes. Digital yeah, yeah. from there on out. Cool. <laughs> well, fun fact for your. Yeah, really fun. For your Phantomorphs out there. So right off the bat, um, I thought it was odd to start the second book with her as the, uh, what do you call it? The narrator. narrator. Who would yeah. you have liked? I was more interested in. Like, I thought they should have gone with Tobias. Yeah. As the first book ended with him being trapped. So my think... my big complaint about this entire series going forward, they don't seem to care about, like, his friends and his family don't care that, yeah, he's stuck as a hawk, but his family doesn't know about that, that comes, and school doesn't that know comes about in book that. Three. They address that. They, they do. do. I, about it's school, a little, though? They, they haven't no, said anything. I, that, not about school. You're right. Yeah. It, it's very overly simplified. But at least they did lay groundwork in book one that he basically comes from a broken home where nobody really cares about his living situation. And in his first book that he narrated. I was like, this is just more. like a given to talk about. Like, this is like simple plot that could have been like, you could have written an entire book just about like, oh, what are we going to tell his, his uh, aunt and uncle that he lives with? Or yeah. what are they we're going to tell school I mean, about? What they end up going with is sort of telling the aunt that he went to live with the uncle and telling the uncle he went to live with the aunt. You could infer that his friends told the school yeah and they were in different states so you could infer that his friends told the school oh he went to go stay with his uncle yeah i don't think in the real world that would (laughs) be satisfactory but well maybe not now with all these snowflake parents around rachel is the narrator uh we're sort of introduced to her you know individual family life and her interests outside of the group which is that she does gymnastics and she has a friend um, named Melissa, who is very conveniently the daughter of Chapman's Chapman, daughter, yeah. the <laughs> principal, vice principal that is one of the leaders of the year control human controllers. So uh, basically, they decide that they are going to have Rachel. Uh, by the way, Melissa is seems to be struggling with something or going through a hard time, and Rachel is concerned that she's in danger because her father is a controller. So the group decides that Rachel's going to morph into Melissa's cat so oh, she yeah. can go into Melissa's house and spy on the family. 
and figure out what's going on there and how they can help. Uh, there's some like weird right, and, stuff. And there's a, it's, it's just interesting to see how they use the morphing ability just to acquire new DNA. Yeah. Cause like they had to use a morph to get to the cat to acquire the DNA to morph into the so, cat. So, and there we yeah. hit our first repetitive, uh, formula moment, which is what I would call like an unsuccessful, mo- uh, morph or like a difficult morph. We saw the lizard in book one in this book, we see Rachel morph into a shrew. Oh, yep. Which uh, very tiny, yeah, is tiny, and like the biggest problem is that it was in paralyzing fear, so she had a really hard time controlling it. I mean, you the way you say that is like a negative. Well, I don't. It's I don't a know cool moment, that. and I liked it about the first book, and I like it again. But it starts to feel like there's certain things that have to happen for it to be an anamorph novel. And this is one I, of them. I don't think it has to happen. I think that it's a jarring morph, and they're still new at. Yeah, this is still book two of 54, so we still have a lot of... Okay, fine. I'm just saying okay. yeah. I, that there's I certain point, things that happen through each of these books. Well, yeah, it's things will happen in each of the books, and it's things happen more than once. Pretty much like, not to get too inside baseball, baseball <laughs> but the way we plan this podcast is we have like sort of a template of how the show flows, well, I know. and we fill in details, and that's how these books appear to be written. They are so laid out and structured that it looks like she just like copy pasted and filled in certain different things. Anyways. Wow. Uh, Going to disagree with you, but wow. So while she's in Melissa's house, she follows Chapman down to his basement where he has a secret meeting with a hologram of Visser 3. I like this scene. I thought it was pretty cool. And we learn that Visser 3 suspects the crazy animal attack from book one was caused by andalites rogue andalites Andalites. so it establishes this plot of the viscer three on the hunt for the rogue andalites who are actually our animorphs yes yep and we find out that melissa is upset because although she does not know that her parents have been replaced by yurks or controlled by yurks she feels that her parents don't love her anymore right she knows something is off yeah um and then where does it go from there it 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 goes to where um rachel sees i think rachel sees because it's from her point of view that the parents uh chapman and his wife are both controllers and they are fighting against the yerks because for their daughter right so like three wants to have the daughter controlled yes i mean it gets dark like her mom tries to commit suicide just to end it well she chokes herself. I mean, I don't know if she well, was yeah, but I mean, trying like, to carry that through to death or if she was just sort of fighting herself. Mm, but, I would say it's pretty dark. And I, I mm. for, a, for a book and its audience, I think that that's pretty wild. Like, the mom is willing to sacrifice herself to save her daughter. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think these stories do go pretty dark places sometimes. I'm like, ooh, that's... I don't know how to feel about that. And then, um, so... They sort of regroup, but then on another night, Rachel again assumes the form of the cat, and she gets captured by Chapman, who brings her, and to her surprise, Jake, who has morphed into a flea, Oh yep. to be on her back. Uh, they get thrown into a little cat carrier and brought back to the construction site to meet with Visser 3, and he basically says that... Uh, 
he's assuming that the the cat is an Andalite as yep. well. And they're gonna kill they're gonna kill Rachel because there's a little tiger. Yeah, they see that uh, since Chapman is valuable as a controller, uh, they they don't want to have to kill him or lose him. They basically make a deal and say like, hey. If you go along with us and you just keep calm and keep quiet, we will spare your daughter. And he agrees to that. Uh, what else? How's this one end? There's sort of a showdown, right? Am I remember remembering something wrong? No, they use the uh, the rest of the Animorphs use construction equipment for some reason <laughs> to attack the the ships, the uh, bug fighters, the bug fighters. And that's how the group manages to just barely escape and get away. Yeah. And Rachel vows that she will never stop trying to free Melissa and the Chapmans from the controllers. And there's her motivation. Yeah. Um, I do like the part where Jake morphed out of the flea and it looks like he just appeared out of nowhere. That was cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have to say, uh, general thoughts, out of what we read, this was my least favorite of the books. I liked book one and I liked book three a lot more. Yeah. Um, I can see that. Yeah. I just wasn't. There, there were, I, I like the visitor three scenes and the scenes inside the house. Me but too. Every, everything else is kind of like, eh. I thought there was m- much more attention paid to the villains in this story than, than the heroes. Which is cool. Cause you yeah. need that. You can't just have evil villains on the sideline. Yeah, I just I guess I thought that as much as I thought that Jake was one sided, I thought that Rachel was no sided. Mm. I don't know what to grasp on. Boy, to does that change. Really? Oh yeah. Mm. I, um she, she seems like um how can I describe this? So there's sort of like an inner like inner group mentality where uh Jake wants to go for something and Tobias usually wants to take the risk and go for it, and Marco doesn't. And basically, Rachel, to me, just feels like another vote for yes. So when they have a plan or a scheme or whatever, it passes. I don't know. I mean, from what she's I remember. She's a thrill seeker, I guess. But. From what I remember moving forward, she's like, you know, you don't expect like the blonde, preppy, popular girl to yeah, be brutal. And I she gets like, she yeah. gets dark. Yeah. I, I like Rachel more than I liked Jake, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I liked her better as a, as a narrator. And uh, it's kind of funny because I actually like um, that. I like Jake probably the least out of all the narrators of what we read. Um, but um, I liked Rachel because he, she is kind of fearless and she's she's ready to go places that are pretty pretty crazy. So yeah. Um, what about the encounter? The first Tobias narrated book. He narrates all of the books ending in three. Oh really? That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Hmm. Good to know. Uh, this is my favorite of what I read. I'll agree with you. Um, because it finally dealt with what we talk talked about, which was sort of a big hanging plot line. Yeah. I mean, they, they touched on it in book two, but it's a pretty big deal that your friend is trapped as a hawk. Just even logistically, like, yeah. where does he live? What does he eat? Yeah, I mean, but they, like, obviously because, like, they're part of a team, and I'm assuming guilt on Jake's part, like, He'll bring him leftovers. He'll bring him food. He'll take care of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's he's well taken care of if he can't find food on his own, which his uh his hawk body helps him. Yeah. This one gets really dark too. Yeah, it does. Um, um uh it, it basically goes to uh Tobias can't really fight his hawk in- instincts. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's a, a 
a point towards the middle where he kind of just succumbs to it and he just like kind of blacks out and is just a hawk for like a f- couple weeks i believe a couple days couple days all because he basically gave in and killed a rat and oh ate yeah it. and ate it well yeah. and also he can't really keep track of time that well like he doesn't know how long he's been trapped yeah he says early on that he's forgetting who he was as a human and forgetting what he looks like and stuff like that yeah so yeah i enjoyed that um I think this one had a more simplistic plot. There was less like sneaking around and spying and stuff. It was more so that Tobias discovered that there was a cloaked ship that was hovering over a lake out in the middle of the woods, like in the mountainous region, and it was sucking up water from the lake. So they surmised that the um, the Yerks needed air and water to survive on their mothership. And they thought that, hey, if there's any way we could sabotage this ship to turn off the cloaking device, it would reveal the Yerks to the rest of whatever, the city or the people. Like, lots of people would see it, and maybe we'd have a lot more support and there'd be an uprising against the Yerks. So they hatched a, a scheme that, again, did not really go well. Um, the difficult morph in this one, which I kind of saw coming but was kind of messed up, was they had to morph into fish in order to get inside the ship. But um, they had to do it, like, moments away from the water, like, out of water. And then right. Tobias had to fly oh, yeah, them fly in. Them in. Yep. I mean, that was, was, that was a big talk because they didn't know how to do it. They were, yeah. they were scared. It yep. was pretty brutal, too. Um, you know, they were basically suffocating until he can get them into the water. Yeah. And then they also get trapped when they do get into the ship as well. Yeah. They, which, didn't you think you'd wind up in a tank? I don't know. Seems like an obvious thing to me. I don't think that ship is yeah. just a big It wasn't open... a great plan. Yeah. Yeah. But they sort of, again, find their way out of it through luck and coincidence. Uh, I thought another, like, cool moment was that as he started, Tobias started to devolve mentally or emotionally into the hawk, he was developing this weird relationship with another hawk, like a real hawk. Yeah, that was a little weird. <laughs> he started talking about mating and yeah, the lady yeah. mating for life and all this stuff. And in the ensuing confusion confusion of the battle, the uh, hork bajir mistook the female hawk to be Tobias, and they killed it. And Tobias was really sad. He got messed up about it. Yeah. yeah. That was his future then, wife. Yeah, and then... <laughs> Oh man! They wanted to bury uh, it. Yeah, so they wanted to bury it to make Tobias feel better. He was like, uh, and then he's kind of having that struggle of like, I shouldn't be feeling these things because I'm a hawk. And then everyone's like, you're a person. Stop this! Like, right? It was his. Basically, it was like a weird. He felt a connection with the with the hawk because of his hawk nature, but he realized that because he was mourning her, that was his human nature. Yeah, because hawks don't mourn the dead. Yeah. So it kind of reconnected him back to the group. And also there was this idea introduced in this one by Rachel um, that maybe if they can hold out long enough for the Andalites to return, they will have the technology to return Tobias back. Yeah. Which is a pretty big leap in logic for me, but I guess Especially it's since an Andalite told them don't stay exactly. longer than two hours. But hey, yeah. if they're laying that seed here, I can imagine it might come to fruition in the future. Yeah. What'd you think of this one, Jim? um uh, overall i really like this book this is um this was my favorite of uh the four that we read and uh just because i really like this subplot of am i a hawk or am i a kid um and also i just like the fact that 
this obviously is going to get fixed at some point because he's not going to, I'm sure Mm. he's not going to stay a Hawk forever. Um, Otherwise it's going to be a really boring 54 books that, uh, where I'm just, I'm a Hawk, I guess he's not really an animal. How many more times can he dive and scratch at people's eyes? Yeah. Cause he's done that a few times. Yeah. As many as needed (laughs) is the answer. But uh, no, I, I like this book. I thought it was, it was a very necessary read for what we've read. All right, so book four, the last one that Jeff asked us to read, The Message. Narrated by Cassie. Yeah. yeah. Um, this this one gets a little broader. I got to break in here. Oh, okay. I did not read The Message. Okay. So I'm going to tell you- Wow. I'm going to tell you what what I had some issues with. Uh, I mentioned that I was not doing well with the reading time, so I asked Jeff for some other- uh, ways to consume it and he sent me the youtube links that he said but i couldn't get those to work while i was at work anyway long story short he also sent me this weird database all right so let me cut in now (laughs) dan asked for these audiobooks and i was like i know that because i I have soundcloud and i have uh what's the other one through amazon audible audible and i'm like i'll just listen to the audiobooks while i'm at work it'll be really quick i too was at work and i was like i know i saw people did audiobooks let me just find it so i go i find this reddit link somebody posted a link and they had every single animorphs book audiobook and i was like here's a link it's cool and i sent it and then a little bit later i started to listen to it and somebody copy pasted the ebook and just put it through like a robot yep through a text-to-speech converter <laughs> that's which, awesome here's my impression of what it sounded like without without <laughs> exaggeration it, it sounded something like now, mind you, when we talked about thought speak, the way that thought speak is expressed through the novels is through the use of brackets. So anything within brackets is thought speak instead of quotation marks like a normal. And also, for some reason, this text to speak converter pronounces the name Jake as Jack <laughs> only sometimes. <laughs> so you would get passages like Tobias wanted to address address Jake. With thought speak, open bracket, Jack, do not go in there, close bracket, open bracket, Jack, you will die, close bracket, Tobias thought. So I had a very difficult time listening as well. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, as I was concerned, for the first time ever on this podcast by any member, I have to lay my cards on the table and say that I failed to complete my reading shame shame yes if you now walk naked in front of me if you need me to commit (laughs) some sort of a penalty i will accept it you must read every other animal book (laughs) and listen to it from the reddit archives i will instead commit harikari okay uh but i did now or i did read the plot summary of this so feel free to speak openly about it i mean i'm just uh i'll just be quick about it um i don't think the reason, the main reason why I picked this book as well as books one, two, three, the introduction is because of Axe. I wanted you guys to meet Axe because yeah. Axe is moving forward, one of my favorite characters, and yeah. just like every five books, they they narrate Axe narrates the eighth one, yep. so Tobias and Axe shift off. Yeah, um, every five books, and uh, so this was kind of weird because they found that there was like uh, a secret base underwater, but yep. they, they couldn't get there by like morphing into a dolphin in time so they had to like morph into seagulls and like fly in a container ship and then like ship out and then morph back 
Now, and now I didn't read this book, but I have a question just based on reading this and hearing you describe right. it. Did this feel necessary or did it feel like filler? This was necessary in getting Axe on the team. Yeah, no, no, was... I mean just – why couldn't they just was, make the beast be reachable by dolphins? Well, I, I don't. That's what I'm saying. This is broader because you're now you can be a dolphin. And like, I, I think it was probably just to get these different morphs. So the distress signals coming. It turns out to be Axmili Escaruth Estil, which is an Andalite. <laughs> of course, you know this. Yeah, I, his full name is my heir. It's how I breathe and survive these <laughs> oh, last 20 boy. years. Somewhere Dave Gonzalez from Storm of Spoilers and Fighting in the War Room is cheering at that pronunciation. <laughs> but like I said, you don't know like where they are in the world, in America. Yeah. So we're not allowed like, to know. It's too dangerous. It's, you'll never know. They tell us in every single novel. <laughs> the Yerks will find us. Uh, so they go to this uh, distress signal. They eventually get there. And... Um, I I skimmed this very quickly because <laughs> I too ran out of time and couldn't listen to it. But like I thought it Jimmy, did you read this? Yeah, I in read its it. entirety. Yep. Uh I thought the silliest part was when they like saved a whale. Yeah. yeah and this <laughs> seemed silly just from reading the plot summary. <laughs> and then the whale like pushed them to safety. <laughs> there there's a couple of things. <laughs> there's it's a couple so like, oh, silly. I'm gonna save the animal kind of moments. Like they also saved a hawk. Um, and I don't remember if it was book two or book three. Yeah, the I mean, beginning of book three. Yeah, and also according to the plot summary, didn't a pod of whales save them again at the end of the? Yeah, book? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and Cassie is the one who like is really graceful about morphing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's like she taught them how to morph clothes, like thin clothes. So not yep. from moving forward, they wear like gym clothes. Which, by the way, that makes they... zero sense. No, it doesn't. Because there's no de- you genetic can't have structure naked of children. Clothes. Yeah, that's I literally agree, the only but... reason. I agree, but it, it uh, yeah. Um, and then uh, we're cutting this super short because I don't think it's very important. Except... Yeah, it's not a super important book other than the introduction of Axe. Right. Basically. Who then acquires the four human anamorphs DNA? mixes it into one person and that's how what he uses undercover moving forward like when he goes to school he's like an amalgamation of all of them yeah as a human and uh he's a he's such a dope character um when you guys are definitely talked into this you'll see especially his books that he narrates he loves milk duds because he has a mouth so Uh, he's experiencing new things okay he doesn't have these three little slits and uh and you get to see things from an Andalite's perspective. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's what I've always dreamt of. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I you think have we thoughts should... on this book before you get to overall thoughts. Uh, I don't have that many thoughts there's about this really, book. There's not many like yeah. deep character moments. No, it's not a great book. Um, but I, I do like the idea of Axe. I think it's cool to add have an add an alien to the mix. Why not? I like the idea of thing. Axe too. But when I actually use it, I'm not crazy about the smell. <sighs> <sighs> shame (laughs) all right so before we get to overall thoughts and impressions i did have a couple questions maybe they're spoilery if you feel like you shouldn't reveal them then that's cool but i kept wondering throughout the course of the series why they never morphed from one animal straight to another do they have to go back to human in between they have to they do and i don't remember where it's said but they can't just morph from animal to animal um also i don't know if it's a semantics issue um, like, you know, how sometimes we'll substitute the term minute for moment, meaning like, oh, it took them yeah. a minute to morph when really is less than a minute, but it's just a common like phraseology because 
at no, the I end think, of book I think three in these they mean 60 seconds yeah well that becomes a problem when they fall out of the ship which is airborne above the lake in book three yeah they shouldn't have enough in time human to form morph. and somehow they morph into birds to fly away before they hit the I've ground i've seen dnd characters die that way y- yeah <laughs> um because you fall pretty fast yeah and they're only a couple hundred feet above the ground so that's a problem yeah uh, i don't know man <laughs> like yeah you just gotta let it go i could pick the nits too okay yeah. but uh yeah what'd you think overall of the series jim overall i liked it um i like the the uh, animorphs have always been like kind of in my periphery just because when i grew up they were always like in my school library um i think i owned a couple of them and nice. I, I i remember skimming them and i was like what is happening i don't know what's happening right now i think i had a hork bajure chronicle yeah there um, is that there's a they have ancillary books yeah that focus on elfangor visor three hork bajure another yeah. character the elemist moving forward yeah it's dope so um uh i've always liked the idea of it um i like the every time that they morph they kind of like describe it as like it's a terrifying experience if you've never seen it before and that's another thing they kind of repeat but i kind of like that it's not like this graceful thing that it's sort of there's always like these dark themes in here that kind of get overshadowed a little bit by the goofiness because uh, it is well, a yeah like book. in the second book when rachel half morphs into an elephant yeah yeah to, like scare some guy yeah yeah it's, that's goofy yeah but um and i also like the the fact that they kind of have to fight the animal instincts because sometimes the morph and human don't necessarily uh, kind of gel together. So, like, when you're a dog, yeah, it's cool, I'm I'm a dog, but I can kind of overcome those feelings. But when you're a lizard and there's a lot of predators around you, like, it's it's a hard thing to, to deal with. And I don't know if you guys saw covers for future books, but there's some weird morphs coming. I'm sure there are. Um, but, yeah, overall, I liked it. Um yeah, that's all I'm going to say right now. Dan, what about you? Um, I think what I said about book one uh, sort of held through book three, which is where I read to. Um, I liked the overall general plot, and I liked some of the finer points of their plans and missions and things like that. Um, I just didn't didn't get enough from the characters, and I had issues with the formulaic nature of the way the books are laid out. I don't mean I don't mind it being formulaic. Um, like you watch reality TV show, those are always formulaic, and you know what's going to happen. Mm, and these are them. these are sci-fi stories, which I like. No, I don't mean that. Like uh, I don't mind the sci-fi tropes and things like that. I don't like how each book has such a similar structure. Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm saying about those reality TV shows too, though. Those Jimmy, have get the exact off the thing. reality TV shows <laughs> because I know that's something that you like that you see that has a very similar structure through every episode, with different results, though. Yeah. All right, Jimmy, <laughs> Daniel, did I successfully talk you into Animorphs? No. Yes. Oh, I. Freaking called it! I yeah. knew it. Yeah, I knew you would be a no, Dan, from day one. I didn't. Even, I thought you were going to read book one <laughs> and then stop. I'm surprised you got to book three, so I have to give you credit. So here's my thing. Um, by the end of book one, which I did read like the hard copy of, I was like, "This isn't bad. I'm going to be talked into this." But then everything I read got worse for me because it was hmm. so predictable. 
I just wanted mm. more. I wanted well. There's 50 more. Not more content. More depth. <laughs> it gets there, and honestly, there is more depth. here's the other thing. I could live with it, like as it being like, oh, I just want to see generally where it goes. If I could crush audiobooks at work, but because just the nature of the publication that I can't do that, I can't commit enough time to sit down and read it. So I was thinking that your answer would be no because you would like it but not enough to actually spend time on it. Exactly. So I was correct. Yeah. Jimmy, I didn't know until he started talking about it, but I okay. guess you'd be a yes. I'm yeah. so excited about this. <laughs> yeah, no, I liked it. Um, the, <laughs> if I don't read more of it constantly, I may fall off of it. But um, if I keep on going, I, f- I have a feeling Dude, that just I would keep with it. Read one a month like they came yeah. out like yeah. I used to do That's when I was 13. Idea. Yeah. See, I'm going to call malarkey a little bit here, though. I think because of the nature of his personality, Jimmy is an optimistic people pleaser. And I think sometimes he says yes, but then doesn't actually follow through. Well, Jimmy, how much Magic the Gathering have you been playing lately? No, you hold on. Oh, interesting. I haven't played it yet, but I bought the set. Okay, Ooh. that's more than I thought. I yep. actually wanted to address this, like, catching up on things we were talked into uh, later on. But that's yeah. that's good, Jim. I'm yeah. so proud of you. I did buy a Magic the Gathering set. I am working on getting friends to play with me. Same. So, I've been trying okay. for years. Uh, yeah. Jimmy's on 20, or Jeff's on 20 years of that quest. <laughs> we started a podcast over it. <laughs> that's basically what it is. Um, well, this was another split success. Yeah. So I, I'm interested in Animorphs. Um, you said that it does kind of get diluted toward a, towards the middle. Yeah, and, and again, um, I wanted to do this topic because it's something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. But also, there was a time when I stopped reading it, and I never finished reading the series myself. Yeah. I could totally um, see this being rebooted or something as a TV show, a movie, a comic mm, book. Everybody can, but there's rights issues, and I don't know what they are. <laughs> Seems like they can't get their crap together because why haven't they done an audio book series? It's one hundred percent rights issues, and nobody really knows the details mm. as to that. But yeah, they got to figure that out because it's it's a great idea. Because like the creators want to do stuff with it. Yeah. It seems like they could kill a Netflix series aimed at like teenagers. Oh, for sure, aimed at thirty three year old men. <laughs> Dan, yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm sure women too. Yeah. So eventually, I, I do want to keep on going with it. If I do or don't, that's a good question. But um, I'd like to, is what I'm saying. Nice. Yeah, I I got weirdly invested in it because I was I was sort of talking with my friends because I wasn't that into it in the first book. I was like, oh, this is freaking stupid. But as I was going on, I was like, I kind of like the characters. And I because there's wanna there's so much. Like on. I forgot how sci-fi it was. Like right from the start. Yeah. There's aliens audience this is for you okay here's my here's my condensed elevator pitch there's aliens there's space there's war there's time travel and there's anamorphing what more do you need i literally created my first D character as a druid just so i could wild shape and i never once called it wild shape i called it anamorphing you ask that's what, what more do you need? The answer is character development. Well, that's there if if you, you read twenty books. Not that's all you, you have 20. to do. Yeah. Oh, your Harry Potter argument. Oh, the, they get good at book five of seven. Like that's stupid. I never said it gets good. I'm at book to five. everybody. You, the royal you, the <laughs> audience, the world. I don't know. So, 
if you're listening, Jeff is saying the Animorphs is better than the Harry Potter series. Yes. And I'm disagreeing. <laughs> I stand by The it. end of the episode. 110%. Just take that with you. <laughs> Jimmy, you're talking us into something next time. Oh, I am. Uh, this isn't something I'm super, super passionate about. I but, like those. Well, then episodes. let's not do it. Okay. <laughs> no, I like those. Like you were impassionate about a TV show, and we all yeah. liked it. And you know, I wasn't passionate. About I'm passionate about everything I do. This is basically just gonna be because we haven't done one yet. We're gonna do a movie. Oh. So next week, I am going to successfully talk Dan and Jeff into the movie The Edge of Seventeen, which is uh, it's a coming of age story. It's oh. from a girl's perspective, and um. I enjoyed it, and uh, it's a movie that had like a ninety-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a pretty good. Uh, I uh, good review. I never heard of it, but I like coming of age tales. Yeah, me and too. I like just watching a movie and not listening to an entire discography, reading an entire series. Yeah. So, Jimmy, is this film available streaming anywhere? Um, it is. I actually just looked it up. It's on Netflix, which okay. is very convenient for all of us. If not, I was going to have you uh, just borrow mine or whatever. Hmm. Um. But okay. yeah, it, it is readily available. So on the next episode, we will be discussing The Edge of Seventeen, and we will try to enjoy it. In the meantime, Dan, where can we find the show? Anywhere this show? on the internet. Talk Me Into? Talk Me Into. You could find us on Twitter at Talk Me Into, on Facebook under the name Talk Me Into, uh, you could email us if you feel so inclined. If you feel so inclined. If you feel so inclined at talkmeinto at gmail.com. Yeah, subscribe, rate, review, do all those things. We're everywhere. Just find us. It's not that hard, okay? Jimmy, where are you online? <laughs> you can find me at Son of a Fitch, S O N N A V A F I T C H, where I'll be tweeting to Jeff about Animorphs as yes. I'm reading it. And uh, it's going to be a fun time. And also Instagram. Uh, at Son of a Fitch as well. Jeff, where can people find your tweets about Animorphs? They can find my tweets about Animorphs on Twitter at J-E-F-F-F-F-F-27. That's Jeff five Fs, the number 27. And I retweet Animorph memes and I make <laughs> Animorph references. And I believe my old Twitter profile that I forgot the password to at Jeff Breakdown uh, my profile said, I once read Animorphs Megamorphs number one on a roof. I do remember that. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the Yerk Mothership volunteering to be a controller. <laughs> nice. Hot take, I would totally do that rather than try to stand against them. It sounds relaxing. <laughs> just get to sleep all day. Yeah. yeah. You just let the world have you. But... On the internet, you can find me on Twitter at Danny underscore Breakdown. You can read my reviews on Letterboxd under the name Danny Breakdown. And, uh, yeah, you can put a slug in my ear. <laughs> in the meantime, we'll see you next week with The Edge of 17. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into. Are we going to talk you into The Edge of 17 next week? Open Maybe. bracket. Dan, close bracket. Don't want to really fool for you. I just want to be a game for two. I had a thing that was for your, your sister gave me. It was a tape that 
that had the making ofs and the actual music videos for Britney Spears, Oops, I Did It Again, and NSYNC. Oh, they used to be making the video. Yeah. Yeah. That was a popular show. I had it on VHS. Yeah, Oops, I Did It Again, (laughs) I I taped off a TV. Oops, I did it again to your heart. Got lost in this game of baby. Yo, Britney is the queen bee. She's the oh, OG she is queen bay. bee. If I'm ever in Vegas again, I'm seeing She's in a mental institute right now. Is she really? Yeah. Awesome. More of a reason to go see her. Yeah, I just heard that queen bee. Oh, queen she's bee is Beyonce, it. dude. No, but she's queen bee before queen bee was even a thing. No. Actually, I think Destiny's Child was before her. All right, Jeff, you want to open it up? <sighs> oh, I have to pull up the script. I forgot that I'm opening it up. I want to go third because it involves all of us. Um, For the random fact? Yeah. I might poop in my pants. <laughs> Wait, I think I Let's know. record this first segment. <laughs> all right. Um, thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of... Pr- <laughs> <laughs> the group of poops. <laughs> 